So I stepped away from music and, and joined the fitness world. Um, and as you know, in the fitness world, music is one of the most important, if not most important parts of a class like that, you know? Um, that's how I kind of choose the fitness instructors I go to take because of the music they play. I just love that type of drive with it. And so, yeah, it, it seeing how music affected people in such a positive way, I, I kind of reignited that passion for it. Um, and I, I feel when you can do music for a hobby, as opposed to depending on music for your financial stability, it can kind of change your perspective and I enjoy it a lot more now. Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. As usual, that voice you heard in the beginning is the guest for this episode, Mr. Josie Greenwell. Before I get into the introduction for Josie and what we'll be talking about today, doing this interview reminded me of something, reminded me of my first time being an instructor. The first time I ever taught a group fitness class, I was working the front desk at a health club at a health club in Washington, D.C., and the indoor cycling instructor didn't show up. And I had taken maybe three or four indoor cycling classes and thought I knew what I was doing. I had no idea, but I knew there was a room full of people that needed to work out. I kind of thought I could do it, and anyway, I just hopped in and just kind of faked it. And that's when I started on my career. I, I was working the part. I was working part time at a front desk, really to get the free membership to a health club. I was a young twenty something in D.C. working in politics and couldn't really afford, uh, you know, being young twenty something. You don't make much money in politics and couldn't afford a gym membership. So working at the front desk was a way to get a free gym membership and, and meet people. But it was interesting. From that first time teaching a group fitness class, I was hooked. And it's funny, I think about it now, that was way, way back when the years began with a one and a nine. And if you had ever told me that that would be my, that would end up being my career, if you had told me as a young 20-something that that would be my career, I, I would have, I would have, you'd have blown my mind. I'd been flabbergasted. I mean, no way. But ultimately, going from being an instructor, a personal trainer, getting into education, and now I have the, the honor of traveling around the world when, when travel happens. When, when travel happens, I do travel around the world. I represent top brands like Stairmaster and Nautilus, and I teach workshops. So I now am responsible for going to, to conferences and going to workshops and teaching other instructors and trainers how to do what we do, how to make it magical, what Disney calls magical and memorable. And I had a lot of people along the way that I learned from that I learned how to teach group fitness. The most, the person that had the most impact, absolute most, I would not be doing what I do today if it weren't for my ex-wife. She really, she really did help. She mentored me, I mean, taught me kind of what to do and showed me the industry. And I really would not be, I have to say that any time I mention her because I really, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it weren't for her. When I got this opportunity today, and again, as I've shared, I sometimes get contacted by PR people promoting certain you know promoting certain potential guests and when I got this this guest's information across my across my email I was really intrigued because Josie has a very interesting background Josie started out as a country music performer and I don't think he anticipated being a group fitness instructor and if you heard if you listen to all about fitness on a regular basis you've heard me talk about this sometimes with guests Talk about the creative process of, of developing a workout, especially a group workout. I am a fan of the Joe Rogan podcast, and I don't always agree with what Joe says, and that's fine. We, we, we are, it's, it's fine to not, not agree with one another. One of the things I love about Joe's podcast, though, is when he interviews other comedians about the creative process. Because if you're an instructor, there's a certain process to creating the, the right group exercise workout, the right group fitness workout. It's kind of like it is like performing on a stage, whether you're doing music or whether you're doing comedy. You want to get it right. You want to evoke a certain emotion. You want to evoke a certain feeling. At the, at the, at the heart of it is as an instructor, you want to make it special for that person. If, if somebody's coming into, well, even you as a listener, you're giving me your time. You're, you're giving me a part of your time. And so I want to make each podcast I put out there Something that, that when you get done listening with it, you go, wow, okay, I got something out of that. As an instructor, 
when you come to my class, you're giving me an hour of, my, hour of your time and I want to make that special for you. If you're a client, you're giving me an hour of your time and you're paying me. If you're giving me your time and I want to make it, you only have 24 hours in a day. We only have 24. If you choose to give me an hour of your time, whether it's live in person or through this medium, I want to make that time special for you. I want you to walk away feeling something special. And if you ever want a chance to work out with me, here's the pitch. I'm now doing live workouts. I am now doing live hit from home workouts. I'm calling it hit at home, actually. But you can do it anywhere you get a Wi-Fi signal. I'm doing it exclusively on homeroomfit.com. That's homeroomfit.com. They're 30-minute hit workouts. Bang, bang. There's warm-up, conditioning, high-intensity interval training, and it's scaled to everybody. I'm doing it Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 noon Pacific. That's Wednesdays and Fridays, wherever you are at 12 noon Pacific, you can join me for a live hit at home workout. The workouts will be fun. The workouts will be interactive and they'll always be scaled for everybody. Now back to my introduction for Josie. The real, the real interesting part about Josie was he has a very unique story. He moved to Nashville, become a recording artist, and now he ends up, he works for Barry's Boot Camp. I've heard wonderful things about the Barry's experience because here's the thing. Nowadays, and this, Josie's story is not that uncommon. Josie was a, is a musician. He's, a, he's an artist. He's a singer. He's a guitar player. Nowadays, it's not that uncommon, especially in New York and Los Angeles, for performers to be working as instructors. It used to be if you were an actor or a performer, the, the joke was, where do you wait tables? Well, now, and this isn't really, this, this is true. Now it's, where do you teach classes? So for Josie, working at Barry's Boot Camp, is the opportunity to bring his experience, his passion as a performer, to help give you a great workout. And that's why I want to speak with him. Plus, he just has a very unique backstory. And I think you'll, you'll be interested in it. So we talk about the similarities between performing in music and performing in fitness. We talk about what it takes to really lead a good group fitness workout like Barry's Boot Camp. And we learn a little bit more about the performer and fitness instructor, Josie Greenwell, today on All About Fitness. On All About Fitness today, I'm speaking with Josie Greenwell. You have a, he has a really cool background. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. How are you doing today, Josie? I'm good. How are you? All right. How would you describe yourself? And I guess let's just start with that because how would you describe yourself with what you're doing? And, and you just recently relocated from New York City to Texas. And so give us a little bit of kind of like what made you that, what, what made you do that move and what are you doing in Houston now? Oh my gosh. That's, that's like the hardest question, like right off the bat. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think I've always just been a really driven person. I feel like, you know, ambitious and driven. That's, that's usually what I've stuck to in my head. I, I just always want to continue moving and, and I get very, um, like, I don't like just sitting, you know, I always want to kind of keep progressing and whatnot. Um, so when New York kind of shut down, you know, you just kind of have to make some moves and, and Houston was a good opportunity. I, I still do the, the curriculum for our berries in Texas and it just made sense. It made sense to, to get out of New York for a little bit and, and jump on that Texas train. So you, you're, you're an instructor for Barry's bootcamp, right? I mean, that's one of the right. reasons why I yeah. talked to you, learn a little bit about that. How'd you get involved with berries? Talk to us a little bit about uh, how you got involved and what, what type of workout berries offers. So what the workout is in general, we're, we call ourselves the original um, cardio and strength interval training experience. And so what it is, is it's half treadmills um, and then half floor. And on the floor, you have benches with dumbbells. Um, and every day is a specific muscle focus. So for example, Monday's arms and abs, Tuesday's legs, Wednesday's chest and back. And it's just a really cool way to, to work the muscle just past fatigue into the failure type of realm. Um, and the way I got into it was I actually worked at an orange theory in Nashville <laughs> and I wanted to, to train so much. And I knew someone who worked at berries and it just, the, the whole kind of facade of berries just really pulled me in. And I reached out to the people and, um, Joey Gonzalez, our CEO, he actually, he said, well, okay, well then come up to New York and train and, and we'll go through the training process and just see if it's a good fit or not. And I actually trained to go to one of our LA studios, but then they kept me in New York and 
<laughs> I went up there. I just st- I stayed for five years. So there we go. So yeah, but in a, with your background, with your accent, you're in Houston now. So I think you'll probably mm-hmm. feel a little bit more at home with the accent. Where's your background from? You lived in Nashville, but where are you from originally? So originally, I'm from Bardstown, Kentucky, um, bourbon capital of the world. Yeehaw! <laughs> are, um, you, are you a bourbon drinker? Is that uh, is I that advice? What's so that? Good. I love bourbon. Yeah, that's my go-to. Um, yeah, just I went to high school. Right out of high school, I moved down to Nashville um, to pursue music. So roots are in Kentucky. Went to Nashville, kind of jumped all around, and then ended up here, Texas. Well, and that's interesting. That, that's one of the things that, that I noticed is you're you're also recording artists. I haven't actually I haven't even gone there with you right. on that. And one of the one of the things I want to talk to you about are the parallels between working in fitness and working in music. Because you're you, you're working in Nashville as a music performer, or you're working on developing your career in Nashville, right? Uh, I was, yeah. The, when then, I when and, I moved there, and then you got into fitness. I did. I kind of the way I got into fitness was because I I wanted to leave music in general. You know, I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with myself. I wasn't happy with with where I was in my career, and I just kind of was in a a lost phase, I guess you'd call it. Um, so I stepped away from music and and joined the fitness world. Um, and as you know, in the fitness world, music is one of the most important, if not most important parts of a class like that, you know? Um, that's how I kind of choose the fitness instructors I go to take because of the music they play. I just love that type of drive with it. And so, yeah, it, it seeing how music affected people in such a positive way, I, I kind of reignited that passion for it um and I, I feel when you can do music for a hobby as opposed to depending on music for your financial stability it can kind of change your perspective and i enjoy it a lot more now and, and the one the reason i want to speak with you josie is, is the parallels between being on stage for like your music and are you a singer are you a guitarist what what type of instrument do you oh, play or I, what? I play acoustic guitar electric Dabbling a little banjo here and there back in the day. <laughs> of course, you're from Kentucky. Yeah, right. It's like it's a given. Um, I, I think they go hand in hand. You know, I think I think some of the best fitness instructors are the people who are most comfortable in a large audience who can, you know, communicate exactly what they're thinking. They can just really articulate their thoughts and and being on stage it's, it's the same kind of feeling, you know, you're running the show. I guess that's what we call it at Barry's. You know, this is your show. These people bought tickets. So it's, it's, they just go hand in hand really. And sometimes I think the most knowledgeable trainer, I think sometimes their realm is a little more one-on-one if it's harder for them to, to educate the class in a fun and enjoyable way. You know, it's just a lot of personality that goes into it. So that's why, you know, Broadway instructors and whatnot, they're the, they're so good when they, when they do fitness classes. Well, before I hit record, I, I told you, I used to work with a company that was based out in New York, New York sports clubs. Mm-hmm. And what we always used to tell our staff was imagine you're in a Broadway performance, just what you said, because it doesn't matter, Josie, whether it's opening night or whether it's the last night of the run, as mm-hmm. soon as you take the stage, you gotta, you gotta give a hundred percent. Is that what you, is that what you're kind of coached on doing at Barry's is giving that 100% every time? Yeah, you really are. I mean, from the moment you open the doors to the moment people leave, you know, you're, you're giving it your all. And what I like to tell people, well, instructors is they're, you know, vaguely going to remember all the specifics, but the one thing they're going to remember is how you made them feel and how, how you made the class feel. And I think that's the same way when you leave a concert, you know, the way you feel is a little more important than how incredible the, the, the vocals were or whatnot, you know, you want to, you want them to leave feeling uplifted, you know, isn't that what fitness is about in general? Well, and, and you're saying that now, now the question I want to ask next, and I don't have this written down, mm-hmm. what's the most memorable concert you have? Like what concert did you go to where you felt like the artist was singing to you personally? Oh my gosh. I think my first, well, it's the first one that comes to my mind, but Rascal Flatts. I saw them in Louisville, Kentucky when I was in high school and it just like knocked me off the seat. They were just so good. And, and that was when I was really getting into country music and 
I loved everything they were doing and that it just was incredible. Just the way I felt leaving it, you know, it was just a life-changing moment. Um, so that's the first one that comes to my mind. And then how about fitness? What, what instructor, when you took, started taking, especially when you got to New York, I guess New York would probably be the best place to go or to ask that about because it is the Mecca of fitness instructors. Is there any instructor that really stood out that really you thought, Hey, I want to be like that. Or that kind of inspired you. There's a guy who he's one of my really good friends. Now his name was Mike Espinoza. And I remember taking his class at Barry's. He, he was there a few years before I was. And I just, I couldn't, understand how he was doing it you know I couldn't understand how he was putting on such a show he would just dance and he was this big dude and he was just dancing all around and you know making everyone laugh and smile while also keeping the clock perfectly on time while also keeping the floor in correct form you know the treadmill knew exactly what to do and I just it was during my training process and I was like wow I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that and it just was such a cool moment because I then got to talk to him a lot and I would take his class so much and he really helped me kind of hone in on what I wanted my class to be like. And I modeled it a lot after the experience I had with him. And now as a performer, does work does being an instructor, fitness instructor, has that helped you as a performer in terms of your stage presence and how you, how you conduct a show? Funny enough, I actually haven't done a lot of of stage stuff in in a few years. You know, I really, once I decided to get back into music, I spent a lot of time on the writing side. That was the the side I was most passionate about. And then it kind of transferred into the recording side. And then I signed a new deal. And then we started releasing stuff. And as we started releasing, COVID hit. (laughs) So I was like, wow. So here you are, you developed this. You have five years of experience and berries under your belt and you're ready to go out and wow the world with their music. And you, you haven't had that already. Maybe I'll run on a treadmill and sing. Who knows? Right? <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry to cut in here for a second. Got to do, do another little plug. If you're looking for workout solutions, if you're looking for great fitness solutions, anywhere you can carry your device, anywhere you can get a Wi-Fi, you can join me on Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 noon Pacific for a hit at home, a 30-minute workout high-intensity interval training workout, hit at home. All you need is a pair of dumbbells, and I recommend a towel and water because you're going to need it. And it's going to be a great 30-minute workout. Go to homeroomfit.com. That's homeroomfit.com. You'll see my schedule. Information is down below in the show notes. Now, another thing that I'm going to be doing, I'm still putting this together, it's going to be a six-week exercise program based on my book, Smarter Workouts. If you want to learn how to exercise, if you want to learn how to design your own exercise programs, If you want great workouts, join me. I'm still putting it together. It's going to be either two or three times a week. The sessions are going to be recorded. So if you can't join me live, I will be able to dump the recording into into your email box so you can do it at a later time or later date. But I'm going to be doing a six-week program based on my book, Smarter Workouts. It's going to be about 85% workout program and about 15% book club where I teach you how to design your own workout programs. I'm one of the few trainers that I want to work myself out of a client. I want to teach you what you need to know to be able to design and do your own workouts no matter where you go, whether it's at home, at the gym, or anywhere in between. To get more information about that, go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for my email list, and you'll be kept up to date on all education and sweat opportunities. Now let's get back to the interview. (laughs) Well, I'm sure sure I'll do that because that's one of the reasons, in all honesty, that's one of the reasons why I wanted, why I, I was happy to have the opportunity to speak with you, because I do feel there are so many parallels between being like an onstage performer in music and then being an instructor. It, what what are you? What have you noticed about that? What have you really been able to kind of compare the two that's well, helped you in your fitness career? I think your pre, yeah, I was going to say, I think your previous question about being a fitness instructor, how has it helped my stage presence? I think it's almost reverse for me, you know, being on stage before I became a fitness instructor, I, I just use that. Um, I, I just pretty much use that to, to know how to speak, to know how to use the microphone, you know, to know how to breathe, to know how to not necessarily get so nervous and be able to articulate my thoughts. And I, I use that, that music and having, you know, the musicality, being able to count on the beat. I, I can't stand when it, people don't count on the beat. Oh, oh, okay. Right. Then 
that don't take one of my class. <laughs> okay, great. Well, all right. No, no, but no. I just, I, I wanted it to feel like the shows I used to do, you know? And I think there's little moments in between songs when I would sing where you would really talk to people. And I just tried to use that and give each client just kind of a personal interaction one way or another, you know, whether it's turning off the mic and talking to them or talking to them over the, over the crowd or whatnot. And how powerful is that connection? You talked about that earlier with the music. Do you, at Barry's, are you, do you get the opportunity to select your music or do you follow, uh, oh, yeah. do you follow have a pre, um, a pre-established program for a month? I'm not, I'm not hundred percent certain how it works. So I think one of the most beautiful things about Barry's is the instructor has the creative freedom of what they're making in terms of their own curriculum and the, oh, wow. music, and the music they play. So when I was telling you before, my current position as chief curriculum lead is just to make sure that they're following the structure. So on Mondays is arms and abs. So to make sure, you know, they're not overworking one arm than the other to make sure, you know, bilateral, unilateral, all that good stuff, making sure it's just an equal experience. I'm not creating anything for them. And I think this is why people like to take certain instructors within berries is because of the experience they give them and the music. You know, so for me, when I would take Micah Spinoza, he played the music I loved. And I loved coming back to it because I knew what kind of music he'd play and what I would get. And what, what type of music did Mike play? What was, what was powerful about that? He would just, he would play the most random stuff that just fit. You know, it would go from like this heavy metal remix into like a Lady Gaga dance track down into like a... I don't know, some hip hop hard song. He just was all over the place. And, but it always fit what he was doing. It, it was just really cool. And he just, it was always very uplifting music. You know, there wasn't a lot of profanity. He was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was very like acceptable to, to everyone. So he was engaging. He, the music made it more engaging for people. Oh, for sure. Time. No, yeah. it's funny because I you say that, and, and what I try to do when I teach is, and I might be a couple of years older than you, but I try to use a lot of remixes in the '80s and '90s because what I want to do, and and you know, and maybe you give me some feedback on this since you're since that's what you do. But what I'd love to do is I love to get people thinking about when they're in high school and college when they didn't really have that many. When maybe the, the toughest thing they had going on was, does he or she like me or whatever? You know, I want to use music to get back to kind of set that mindset for people. So while they're exercising, they're getting out of their day to day, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. try to create that experience. How powerful is that? How powerful is music when you combine music with the workout? What does that do for the people that come to Barry's? I think music, even outside of working out is one of the most powerful things. So I think when you combine it with something like fitness, that's releasing all those endorphins and you know, you're trying to break a personal record each time you know, showing up, showing out, just doing it. I think it just becomes such a, such an addiction, honestly. And I mean, I think that's what's helped people come into berries and they continue to come back just because of how great it makes them feel. And being a very culture driven community, you know, they, they feel a part of it and they feel a part of the class. And I almost don't feel like I'm up on this pedestal training them. I just feel like we're all in it together and I'm just guiding them through it, you know? Kind of like you're the host. You're like a party promoter. You're like the host of a club. And totally. you want people to have a good time. I'm like, y'all having a good time or not? <laughs> well, that's what you want. That's what keeps people coming back. And right. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to hear that you have the opportunity to, to create your workouts with Barry's. Because mm-hmm. one of the things, Josie, how do you compare writing music to creating a workout? What's that create? Is that a similar creative process? What's, what's that creative process like when you sit down to you're putting your thoughts down for a song as opposed mm-hmm. to sit down and maybe you're coming up with, with a workout? I, I actually view them both differently. When I'm creating a workout, I'm specifically thinking about the other party. So the other people that are going to be taking it. When I'm creating a song, I'm actually only going from my own personal experience. And I think that's something like, for example, Taylor Swift's music. I love that she creates everything from a personal experience and you just relate to it. You know, it's such a relatable craft. Um, But for me, I'm making my workout 
for the other person. You know, I'm not going to make something that I'm going to do and I just want you to do it. Like I want to make it for these people. So I think that's the difference between both of those for me. So in, a mu- in your music, you're trying to you're trying to tell a story. Then you're trying to communicate a, a personal. I guess you use the word experience, but you're trying to just evoke part of yourself in the music. Am I, is that what I heard? Yeah, I, I think I think no one else has experienced something from my perspective other than me. You know, and I, I want to be able to write that in a way that someone else can hear it and be like, wow, I never thought about that. Or like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Or wow, I'm going through the same thing. You know, I think if you just write songs generically, hoping it it resonates with people, it doesn't necessarily come across as authentic as it could. And and what I like about this is the creative process. Do you ever do you ever put a song together and then as you as you sing it or maybe you're practicing it, you realize that it's not quite coming oh, together yeah. what you want it yeah i'm like wow this sucks i'm starting over <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't be that harsh but but what's that like i mean what's that creative process like when you when you you, know, you might have a thought in your mind you might put it down on paper then the first time you pick up a guitar and you start singing that talk a little bit about that creative process of what it takes to put a song together i think we're always our own worst critic you know and so for me once i started this new project being able to write with other people was just game changing in that aspect. And so I would bring a lot of ideas to my co-writers and we would kind of sit there and all pitch different experience on it and try to create the perfect way to deliver the message. So there's a lot of stuff and ideas on this new album that all these other co-writers helped. Now, how about with workouts? So and this is where, where, this is where I want to make the parallel. Because you might put a song together, you might realize, I like this phrase, or I love what I'm trying to say here, but it doesn't quite fit in this in this position. Is putting a workout together the kind of the same way where you might have an idea for, this is what I want my clients to feel, and then you go through the workout and you go, ooh, maybe that didn't transition well, or maybe that wasn't a good, that that's, it's, do you, am I making sense with, with trying yeah, to create pair there? Because a lot of times I'll put out songs thinking it'll be received a certain way, and it's not. You know, and so sometimes I think when you write a workout and you're watching people do it and you thought it would be a little different, it's it's one of those moments where I wish you could correct a song, but you can't. But with a yeah. workout, you can adjust it and you can scale it, make it more intense, or you can, um, you know, regress it if you need to. But yeah, that's so interesting. I actually never, never even thought about that. I think the beauty of being able to do that with a workout is you can on the spot adjust as you watch people do it. And that is because once you've been doing it for a while, like, like you mentioned earlier, maybe your first year as an instructor, you, I I know maybe you had the same thing. I'm holding up for, for listeners. I'm holding up my sheet of notes right here of the Mm -hmm. questions I want to ask Josie. Cause I know when I first started as a group instructor, I would write down my workouts and, you know, kind of refer to them sometimes during class, just because I wanted to make sure I was following my sequence. But then as you get into doing it, you know how to mix and match. It's kind of like a good chef. And that, that, that's the parallel I make between being a good instructor and being a good chef is you know, the, you know the foundational components of what it takes to make a good workout or a good meal, and you, you might change it on the fly. Is that mm-hmm. How long did it take you to become comfortable with that, where maybe you had a workout program, and then you got into it and go, ooh, maybe this isn't going quite so well, and you shift it, and, and you're able to kind of change it as you go? That moment actually happened a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh, this isn't going as well as I thought. Um, I think the hardest part about berries is the concept of teaching two groups at once. Mm. So I think there's so much trial and error on the floor and the treadmill. And it took me about a year to be able to perfect doing both of those at the same time. And once you kind of can perfect both of those, you can dial the floor back or ramp it up or same thing on the treadmill and whatnot. Um, But it's just, it's so much trial and error, you know, with the floor and watching people do stuff. Are they doing it for too long? Are they not doing it long enough? You know, are they getting enough? And I think as a new instructor, at least as far as my experience and I've seen instructors that I've mentored is people want to make it as hard as possible so that the person leaves being like, oh my God, that was so hard. But 
internally at Barry's, that's not necessarily what we want to deliver. You know, we want to deliver a safe and effective workout that you can receive every day, you know, cause when it's so hard, it's a lot of times it's defeating and, and that's kind of excluding people. And what I want to do, and especially with everyone at Barry's is we want to include as much as we can. And how do you know, what, what's that, what's that moment, Josie, when you know that maybe the workout you've created is hitting home, you know, where, where maybe you're two thirds of the way through the class or whatever, but how, can you tell when, when the workout you've created with the music you selected, can you tell when, when there's that shift and you can feel that energy? Oh yeah. I think it's just like what we talked about earlier in terms of a concert or, or the experience when in a room, when everything is just hitting right on the dot, there's just, it's almost like a cold chill moment. You know, there's just that moment of, Oh my gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like euphoria? Is that it? No, that's not it. Is it it? Oh, well, it would, it would be. It's kind of like that moment in a club, right? In a nightclub where that one drop hits and everybody's yeah. on the floor and it's just that burst of energy. I think we all have that moment in the middle of a workout. If you're, if you're, if you're leading the right workout, you can tell that everybody's bought into it and they're, they're kind of clued into what you're having them do. I think it's almost hard to, to kind of explain how that works. You know, I think as an instructor, I always want to try to plan stuff to happen on the beats and, you know, the sprints to happen on the drops and the floor be doing something just as dynamic as the treadmill when they're sprinting and the floor's jumping or whatever's happening. Those types of moments you, you plan. But I think as an instructor, your personality allows them to freely release all that energy, you know, because if an instructor is kind of boring and just sitting there, the the clients in the class they're not going to pump the instructor up no you know so i think you can structurally create those moments but the way you communicate to the to the people and if they're receiving it that day or not i think that's what creates that dynamic kind of burst well and that, that it's cool and I, I just like talking about the creative process mm-hmm. because it is I, I think a lot of people don't realize that that when you're creating a workout program you're really putting a lot of thought into it. You're not just throwing a bunch of exercises together because you want to make people hurt. And mm-hmm. so I really like that. I really like that concept of making it inclusive with that. Is there like, what would you share about what's been this, what's been the most important lesson you learn from creating the workouts that get people moving? I think our CEO, Joey Gonzalez, he told me something one time where you want to give everyone in the class a hero moment. There's there's one moment where they feel like the hero, where they feel like they accomplished something. And I usually try to do that at the very end, you know, maybe the last sprint, maybe it's the easiest entry into it, or you're just jogging into it. You've done all the hard stuff. Now this is your moment to get as fast as you've gone or whatnot. Um, but I, I like that he says that because it's a moment that I can't really tell you what your best ability is. I'm just trying to get you there. So whatever that person's best ability is, maybe it's 0.1 faster, or maybe they hold a squat longer or whatnot. Um, I just think it's it's a personal goal that they can beat on their own and it's achievable. I think that's the that's kind of the word is if something's unattainable it's very defeating for someone and i never want anyone to leave class feeling defeated like oh that run was so hard maybe next time i'll be able to hit those speeds like i never want someone to be able to say that you know that's cool because i I think i think that's important for people to hear because and for listeners that's true as instructors we want everybody i don't know about you josie and it certainly sounds like you do but i want everybody to walk out of class feeling successful feeling like Mm -hmm. they had the right workout for the day Mm-hmm. Would you feel that that isn't that it doesn't give you a certain sort of satisfaction when you can oh, tell people sure. leaving? Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's hard as a fitness instructor. You know, you're basically doing 17 concerts a week or whatnot. You know, you're. <laughs> yeah. It's just you're all you always have to be on. And I think having such an outward facing job, it really takes a special kind of talent to do that. But I also think you you need the balance. I think you need those downtimes and those moments to just be by yourself in order to give it your all in that class. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think a really good instructor kind of knows how to be able to turn it on, but then also 
preserve their energy when they need to. Otherwise, you just burn out within a year or two, you know. And we see that a lot in the industry. Yeah. Now, when I only want to ask one or two questions about, about instructing. What's your go-to music? When you put together a class, like, do you have like a go-to genre or mm-hmm. do you change it based on day? How do you, how do you select the music that you use for your workouts? Well, you said something interesting earlier because it's exactly what I do. Like, I love to, to go out. I love to be out. You know, I love to have fun. I love to go hear music, bars and whatnot. And I love club music. And, you know, there's a reason that clubs are just have such high energy. And I like to make my class like that. I like remixes of, of pop radio. You know, I like to put a throwback in there. Like when you're at a club and you hear a song from like years ago and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Like, that's the moment I want the client to feel also. Um, so I, I do a lot of stuff that I personally like. I like bounce music. You know, I like fast remixes i usually don't play any originals in that interesting? yeah no that's the thing is instructors yeah. you you tend to do that and and i don't think i've ever shared this on the podcast before but when i was in college in, in the early 90s i went to school in southern california i we used to go to the underground clubs in la that was where you would have to go to one place you'd pay money you'd get you get a password you go somewhere else to the club and they'd be one night you know, the warehouse parties back in there in the early 90s and that yeah. really you know i yeah People look at me and they, they you know, because a lot of times I use EDM and use a lot of uh-huh. dance music in my classes. And it blows because people look at me like, oh, my God, I wouldn't think you would use that music. Yeah. But I can tell you how, like, I never thought I'd be a fitness instructor. Like, I, if, if going back, if you ask my 23, 24 year old self, I'd be like, you're Dang. kidding. I'll never do that. But it's so cool to be able to kind of select the music. And I get such inspiration from that time being in my early 20s. Now that I'm on almost 50, I don't go to that many clubs anymore. <laughs> why not? Live your life. <laughs> What's that? I said, why not? Live your life. Well, I mean, I, the only time I would would, would be in Vegas. And uh, two years ago, I think, a group of us went out to a nightclub after a party in Vegas. And it was, it was that record scratchy moment where we walked in the nightclub. It was all of us like, everybody stopped. And who let the old people? <laughs> old enough. That's good. Who let the old people in? Now, we talked a little bit about this before I hit record, but you've recently, so you've recently relocated to Texas, but you're right. from, you're from Kentucky. What right. was it like to go originally from growing up in, in Kentucky and having lived in Tennessee and making that transition to living in Manhattan in New York City? How, how was, how, talk about that experience a little bit. I think that's pretty amazing. I think it's just a whirlwind. You know, I think the very first question you asked me about, you know, how would you describe yourself? I just, I always want to keep progressing. And, and I think sometimes that's good and bad. You know, I think a lot of times people jump around because they're looking for the next best thing, you know, Oh, I'm not happy here. I'm going somewhere else. But it, it, a lot of times it, it's internal stuff and things you need to unpack. And, and I think growing up in Kentucky, it was great. I mean, I had a great childhood, you know, I had such good friends and, and I just always felt different. And I think that's one of the things with growing up gay and, you know, having this, I I don't know if you, well, I guess it's a secret until it's not, (laughs) I guess, you know, I think that's something that you just always feel different. And I always wanted to be different than people around me even though I already felt it. So I I wanted to go to Nashville and, you know, pursue what I could. And then I, I didn't like it. So then I wanted to go to New York and, and I think I just always was driven to be so successful. Um, Because a lot of times as a gay man, until you realize these things, one of the most driving factors is shame. Mm. And you're just trying to, to survive and you built up a wall around yourself. And as I started to unpack that, once I got to New York, I realized, Oh, I'm jumping all around looking for the next best thing. I need to like sit, settle, you know, accept myself and all of that. And and that came with kind of the move here to Texas is, is I mentally was at peace and, and I just wanted to kind of protect that away from the chaos in New York. (laughs) Well, and, and I want to say, I want to ask a question on this, but I want to say kudos to you because my ex-wife and I have this theory about people who move to New York at, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Peter Pan syndrome. And you can see this on the show Sex in the City, mm-hmm. that if you move to New York in your early to mid-20s, you kind of become stuck at that age. Even when you're yeah. in your late 30s or early 40s, 
you're still running around like a single 20 something. Would, mm-hmm. would you, would you agree with that analysis? I, I never lived in the city, but I traveled there a lot for work. Would, would you see, like, can you see how that could be fitting? Oh yeah. I think, I think there's a special pull that pulls someone to New York. You know, I think the, the energy and the, and the pulse and it's, it's such a sleepless, chaotic city, but there's so many pros and cons. And I think some people wake up and they've been there for 30 years and they're like, wow, where did the time fly? You know, it's just, you get stuck into this routine and I could kind of feel myself that happening, but I I always feel like I have this internal calling to, to progress. And once I felt like I wasn't progressing in New York, I knew it was time to go. Now, and let's talk about this for a second, because in your bio, you mentioned this kind of struggling as a young, you moved to national because you wanted to get in the country. Mm-hmm. And as a gay man, how, talk about that experience a little bit, because I don't think, and, and I'm not much, not, not that I'm, I don't appreciate country music, but I don't listen to it as often as I listen to EDM. So let me just yeah. say, I'll say I'm more familiar with, with Tiesto and I'm more familiar with, with Tiesto and some of the DJs than I am with, with uh, modern country artists. But what was that like as, as somebody who you're still kind of coming to terms with yourself and here you are trying to make music in a community that might not be, be the most accepting in the world? I think the hardest part was trying to understand my sexuality at the same time that I'm trying to navigate the country music world. Mm. You know, I think if I came out earlier, if I was more secure with myself, if I you know, just understood what my authentic self was, I think it'd be a little different story. But I think a lot of times the world views the coming out process as the finish line when it's really just the starting point. You know, it's like, okay, you're out, but what now? <laughs> so I came out and then I'm in this country music world and and no one's necessarily... I mean, not that I was looking for it, but, you know, no one's uh, applauding those efforts or no one thinks that's brave. And at that time, you're just kind of like a sponge when you're young. And I was very impressionable and hearing, you know, hey, we you, the songs are good, but, you know, who are we going to market it to? You know, I don't know very many gay country music fan bases. Yeah. Well, there's a, I, I remember years ago, my dad, uh, my, my dad's gay. And I, sh- I shared that with you, you know, before we hit record. I remember my dad telling me that there's a gay rodeo. So I don't know if, if there's a Wait, huge. Is yeah, yeah, there's even a, know that. Yeah, there's a whole. I, you know, that's he said at one point. I don't know if it was a touring thing or what, but there is a a gay rodeo. And um, anyway, I just I could see, but I could see the challenge for that. So when you got into fitness, and this is one thing, dude. I've li- I've worked in fitness for more than two decades since the late '90s, and some of my mentors have been gay, and and really that I never. It almost doesn't occur to me anymore. The mm-hmm. only reason why I'd want to qualify somebody is just so I could relate to them a little bit better. Right. And frankly, I don't care one way or the other. I, I really, as long as somebody's over 18, I have no judgment about what you're doing or who you're, or who you're with in your private life. But did you feel like when you, when you started working in fitness, was that more of an, an acceptable community? Did you feel like that was easier to kind of adapt to? I think it was more, more so working in New York in fitness, as opposed to just working in fitness. You know, if I, if I joined the fitness community in Nashville, it would probably still be a little bit of a thing. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, the awareness in, in the South is just a lot lower than anywhere else in the country. You know, just being able to accept LGBTQ and it becoming a norm. You know, I, I feel like when I moved to New York and joined the fitness world, I had to train my mind to think that it's not a thing. It's just... It's just who someone is, you know, there's, there's yeah. gay people, there's straight people, there's all kinds of different people there, but that's not necessarily the case in, in when I was necessarily in Nashville, you know, it's, it's probably changed so much in six years. Um, but yeah, I think to kind of answer your question, being in the New York scene of the fitness world was really, there's nowhere else that's more accepting than New York city, you know? So I think that just really catapulted my mental thinking to accept myself a little quicker than I probably would have anywhere else. Well, and just, you know, as somebody who grew up, like I said, with a gay father and I I was a teenager in the eighties before it was really cool. Like now I think it'd be much different because you have, you've had Will and Grace on TV and it's much more accepting. 
And I can't tell you, you know, it, when I started working in fitness and everybody just was, it, it was who people weren't. There's really no, it's not a big, it's not a big deal at all. Now, how has that experience shaped your music? As you go to write your music and you have a new album out, City Games, how has your experience between being in the different worlds of being in the South and being in New York, how has that kind of helped shape your music and what you're doing now musically? I think I had to really... I, I keep saying the word train my mind, but, you know, there's such a, a stigma on what a gay person is supposed to act like, what a, what a, you know, a gay man is supposed to look like or sound like. And when I moved to New York, it really shaped my mind to think of outward expression. You know, in Nashville, my outward expression was I was trying to be as straight as possible. You know, I was trying to act as if I was like an accepted version of a gay man. And I just had to shift my thinking to, I am who I am, my outward expression is this, you know, this is the way I think, and this is my authentic self. And I think once I realized that, it it shaped my music. And it made me write in a way that I didn't have to second guess whether to use the word, you know, the pronouns he or him. Um, and I just wrote it as if, I was actually writing it because in Nashville, I would always switch it, you know, mm. I would put girl or she or, you know, something like that. Um, so it was almost a, a freeing creative process. And it sounds weird, but I feel like this is my first album, if that makes sense. You know, I have ones before, but. And I was listening to a couple of tracks this morning and it's, you know, I like it. I mean, it, it definitely moves well. How would you describe your music to people that might not have heard you before? Oh my gosh, I feel like this album in itself is very, there's such a pulse to it. And I feel like that's the same with New York City. You know, it's very nonstop. There's just always something happening. And and with this specific sound, I tried to, to kind of keep a lot of the country um, storytelling aspect to it but just shifted the the production side very pop because that's that's what I fell in love with in New York and it's fast and it um it just moves and you can dance to it and it's it's very up uplifting and upbeat have you ever used any of your own songs in in the classes you've designed in the, in the music you've used for, for your workouts <laughs> you know it's funny cuz people ask me that and i always say no and they're always like well why and this is why <laughs> <laughs> is I feel like the class I'm already leading it and I, I want to take the attention off me as much as I can, you know, and, and a lot of times I've witnessed over the years is people are coming to that class and they're just coming to work out to escape. And I don't want to give them another reminder that I'm there, mm. you know, like I'm teaching the workout and also you're listening to me. Hey, you yeah, know, that's probably be a little bit too much, even yeah. even in, in New York oh. City. So I, I just I try to keep that. Um, I don't know. I just I, I try to keep that in class separate. You know. Well, I think that's important. And now, now to kind of wrap it up a little bit. Now you're making the shift to Houston. Are you teaching classes? What's the fitness scene like in Houston right now? Is now that we're in, we're recording this in the fall, like late September of 2020. Mm-hmm. Are the fitness centers opened up? Are the studios open up? Are people back oh, to work? Yeah. Texas is wide open. <laughs> <laughs> That's my understanding, right? Is Texas, uh-huh. Texas didn't even want to slow down for this whole thing. Uh-uh. No. I mean, we're doing it the correct way. You know, we're, we're following all the rules, six feet apart. You know, we're doing everything that our state um, is kind of regulating. You know, in the public spaces, everyone has masks on. And when you are working now, you are aw- away from people enough so you can take the mask off. We, we're cleaning the equipment between every transition, so no one's touching anything that anyone else is. So we're doing it the right way, and I think people are appreciating that. And I think as we've been open for a couple months now, it's starting to ramp back up because of those aspects. You know, people are, are dying to get back into fitness classes. And so now that they know they can safely do that, I think it's really benefiting. Yeah, and I just want to say there's been some uh, some research put out by the Health Club Industry Association mm-hmm. that there's like less than less than a tenth of percent of transmitted cases have been linked back to fitness centers. So I really appreciate you're talking about 
the procedures that Barry's is using. But as in the overall fitness scene, what what is Houston like? I I've been in I've been to Houston. Yeah, I didn't even answer twice. your question. I'm so sorry. I just What's like that? ran. I just ran off on another tangent. I didn't even no. answer, answer what you asked. Well, no, but I just I'm interested because I I don't know much about the Houston fitness scene because I I've been there a couple of times for workshops or, or to speak at a conference, but I don't know that many people there. What what's the Houston fitness scene like in terms of clubs and facilities? I think people would be surprised to know how actually active it is. You know, I think when you think of Texas and when you think of Houston in general, you think of, you know, brisket and barbecue and all this stuff. And I feel like it gets a bad rap, honestly. I've seen it so active. And I mean, the fitness classes and the spin studios that they have, and there's so many different concepts around and even the box gyms, you know, like Equinox, LA Fitness and all of this stuff. It's it's just a huge part of it. And I feel it's a it's a little um hidden part of it, if that makes sense. You know, I don't think people talk a lot about the Houston fitness scene. It's really, it's really good. Well, and and that's why I asked, because like I know the New York fitness scene, like and here's what I tell people, Josie. In New York, Miami, and LA, fitness is all about appearance. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, for the most part, certain parts of New York might be different than others, like Upper West Side might be a little bit different than downtown like Soho and Tribeca, but generally like New York, Miami and LA or Southern California in general, I'll include San Diego in there. Mm -hmm. Fitness is all about appearance. Whereas like when I worked in DC, Boston, San Francisco, Seattle, fitness is more of a lifestyle for being healthy, for being, for using it to produce it. And I just don't know much. How would you describe Houston, Houston fitness scene? Do people there work out for, for the appearance or are they doing it because they, understand it's a part of their of being healthy and, and having a good lifestyle i think it's a little bit of both to be honest you know and I, I think it's a little bit of both everywhere i've been really you know i i actually don't um well no i not i don't i i appreciate someone who wants to look good i mean i i want to look good i like the way my body looks in a certain way so i'm gonna do those things to get that you know and i think a lot of times people who are very fit or, you know, who have the quote unquote perceived ideal body, which like, what even is that? You know, I think they like the way they look. So they work hard to, to get that. And anyone who kind of does that, I I appreciate their, their drive for that. Um, So I know a lot of the, the people coming into berries. I personally think the reason they come back is because we're such a culture driven community. You know, I think they like, feeling a part of it and they like um they like the way they look when they take a berries class and and they notice it when they don't take a berries class you know i think people i love hearing people that are like oh my god i've been you know two weeks i've been so busy Ugh, i just don't feel good and so when they start to come back they feel better so i think they kind of work hand in hand you know i think once you look good you feel good and when you feel good you eventually look better to whatever your ideal goal is well no i really i'm really glad i really like the way you just said that because what i would always try to do with clients what i try to do is try to get them really thinking a little bit less about the mirror and Mm. more about internal performance can they get a few seconds faster on the on a time can they do a few more reps can they lift more weight because what i've noticed is, is if i can if i can push you to change your performance ultimately your appearance changes right but it creates a whole different mindset because now you're like you're not thinking about because the mirror is so subjective. What we might think about what we look like in the mirror is subjective, but oh. whether you can do six pull-ups is whether you can do six pull-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, the bar ain't going to lie. You know, you can either uh-huh. do six pull-ups or you can't. You can deadlift a couple hundred pounds or you can't. And yeah. getting to that level of confidence, I think. It, do you guys use those? Because you guys keep track of metrics, right? At Barry's, you keep track of people's performance. Mm, no. No. Okay. No, you're not. You don't. Do you use heart rate monitors? And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not familiar no, with because I don't like certain other studios so you don't have heart rate monitors built into no, the program we, we keep track of and and the consumer can do this on on their app so with our berries app they can you know keep track of how many classes they've done and and their instructors they take but in terms of like their own you know speeds or weights or whatnot no we don't we don't keep track of that okay now for your own workouts now to wrap up here and respect your time do you like taking other berries classes or what do you what do you like to do for your own workouts what if you had an afternoon off or if you if you're getting ready to go do your own workout, is there a certain class you want to hop in or do you do your own thing? 
I actually do a little bit of, of everything, which I'll tell you what, but it's so funny that like, I just love berries. <laughs> I just, I love the treadmill. You know, I love running in place when people are like, oh, what kind of running shoes do you have? And I, I tell them and they're like, oh, is that good outside? And I'm like, I don't run outside. <laughs> <laughs> like, outside where, like, where am I going? Yeah. No, I, I just, I love, I mean, that, that's why I've been with the company so long. I just fell in love with the process and I love the floor and the, the treadmill and the combination of both. And it just always makes my day feel better. Um, so I'll do that a few times a week. It's also just part of my job for, for um, the curriculum and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I just also love to go to the gym and lift weights that's kind of where I started my fitness in Nashville is just going to the gym and trying to figure out what to do, lift weights and, and just listening to my own music. I, I love that. So that's pretty and much what, And where do you get your idea? Where do you get your workout inspiration from? What, what, what motivates you to design workouts? Where do you get ideas for your own workouts? I think just trial and error from so long ago. I think I started lifting weights when I was 20, 20, 21, maybe. Um, I remember just following bodybuilding.com forever, you know, just the, the simplest workouts and, and stuff. But now I, I, I find a lot of good guys on Instagram who post, you know, their sets and whatnot. And, and I try to follow those, but then again, I, I'm just very simple. I do the same stuff in the gym every time I do it pretty much, you know, my arms day, I do the same stuff. I just increase weights or increase reps. I just, my own personal body was not built with intricate workouts at all. You know, I just think simple is better. Well, I, I love that. I, I love that you said that because I do think a lot of people tend to overcomplicate exercise, right? Cause when you look at music, music, you don't need to overcomplicate music. Just, I think a singer with an acoustic guitar can put on a phenomenal show. Like when I asked you earlier about performer, mm -hmm. I remember I went, I saw Bruce Springsteen live one night and even though it was in a stadium, you felt like Bruce was singing directly to you. And, yeah. and so when it comes to exercise, it doesn't need to be overly complicated. I think just staying with the basics can do, can just do wonders. And, yeah. and do you like, do you enjoy Houston? I mean, are you finding that you enjoy being in Houston? For the longest time, I didn't know if I enjoyed Houston or I enjoyed not being in New York. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> so after I, after I lived here for a little bit, I was like, wow, I really do like, Houston. I like Texas. I go to Austin frequently. I love Austin. I just, I really like the, I mean, I lived in a 250 foot square, 250 square foot apartment in New York. I wow. mean, this thing was a matchbox. Yeah. So to be able to just have space and I miss driving and, you know, there's just so many things that you don't have in New York that I miss and I was ready to have again. Um, and so this was just the perfect the perfect move for that. Cool. And now Josie, I, I was checking out your, I was checking out your Instagram, uh, giving people the information about how they can find out about you because you, is your album out yet? Is city games out yet? Or when is that released? I know you have a couple of singles on Spotify. Yeah. So we did about a six track rollout. So we did six tracks separately as singles. Um, and then we just announced the whole 16 track album. It comes on November 13th. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's We'll definitely have that posted before then. And then how can people follow you on Instagram? What's your Instagram handle? Uh, just my name, Josie, J-O-S-C-Y, Greenwell. That's All it. Right. I pretty much use Instagram as my my like number one. As your, For what, music, for workouts? Just all of it, really. I just kind of, having multiple social accounts, it just really, it's just a lot to do. You know, yeah. so I just, I kind of took a liking to Instagram a lot more a couple of years ago. And, and that's pretty much my go-to. Well, and it seems like, in all honesty, I joke about this with, with instructor friends, it seems like Instagram was made for us fitness professionals. Like, it's the perfect vehicle for, for us in the fitness industry. It's great. Well, I wouldn't say great after watching that documentary lately, but... Yeah, no, I haven't seen that yet. I've seen a lot of people commenting about that. Now, final question now. Do you sometimes wake up and, and given what you do, you work for Barry's, you're, you're a curriculum, you're a lead curriculum guy... Do you sometimes kind of have a hard time? You're believing where you are, doing what you're doing? Wow, that's so funny you said that because I had that moment this morning where I have to force myself to appreciate my journey and where I'm at. 
you know, and I think, I, I just think with everyone, you always want more. And, and a lot of times you do the whole compare and despair, you know, method on Instagram and you see these people traveling and whatnot, and you just, it makes you feel worse about yourself. So I have to really just applaud myself and my efforts. And I, I was just thinking that this morning. Yeah. So, I mean, I well, guess that's, this isn't the end. end what's the finish line? I'm not so yeah, no, no, it's not the finish line, but it, it's yeah. still cool sometimes, I think, to look back and give yourself a little bit pat on the back. I mean, here you are. Your company wanted you to move from New York and, and work in Houston. And you are kind of in charge of shaping the next generation of instructors coming up. And I think... Well, I, so- I appreciate you saying that, really. That that really does mean a lot. It, it, it takes a lot to... Um, internally i guess process that i guess you'd say i uh yeah, because you get stuck in the day-to-day grind sometimes and it becomes yeah. a job right? it becomes just a job but you really have to I, I think that that we all have to take a step back and go wow this is what i do people pay me to do this yeah i'm like i'm literally jumping around to a britney spears remix right now <laughs> <laughs> like well, I, this is my I, life when i meet somebody from time to time and I'll, I'll finish with this when i meet somebody from time to time josie they ask me what i do I tell them my job is to make half-naked people sweaty. Oh, I love reality, that. You know, so that's reality. That's what we do, right? That's what we get paid to do. We, we're one of the few people out there who get paid to make half-naked people sweaty. Now, how you do that, there are different ways to do that. But but ultimately, I think that's one of the coolest things about what we do is we really, our responsibility is we help people have a better day. That's that's a very good way to look at it. And it's it's important to remember that too, you know, having a better day. You never know what someone's going through. And a lot of times I, I mean, I would find myself getting frustrated, you know, early on in my career and you just take it out on the microphone and then you're just, you feel so bad afterwards, you know, but you never know what someone's going through. And, and I think that's so important just to remember that they could be having the worst day, but when they leave this specific class, they could be having the best day. Yeah. And the way I, the way I tell new instructors, man, is that we only have everybody only has 24 hours in a day mm-hmm. if you're giving me an hour of your time for an interview i got to be prepared for you because i don't want to waste your time if a listener if with listeners if you're listening and you're giving me an hour of your time to listen to this interview i want to make sure that's a quality conversation mm-hmm. and i think of the same way with a workout if somebody's coming to my workout they're giving me one hour out of 24 in their day and i try to make that special for them some way somehow yeah that's that's very wow you're really wise you know that Thing. it's the gray hair <laughs> <laughs> love it but uh, but uh, i appreciate it no that's what so i appreciate you're saying that about berries that that's really because i didn't know much about berries which is one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you is learn learn a little bit more about that but josie man this is a pleasure it's a pleasure having this conversation and Thank i really you, really and i really would invite people to check out city games coming out soon and josie greenwell you'll be able to, i'll have links down below for instagram and for spotify so they can track you down and maybe I'll put a berries link down there so somebody could stalk you in uh, Houston as well. All right, stalkers, let's go. Yeah, that was a fun conversation. Like I said, I really, I'm somebody that I never thought I would be doing fitness as a career. I, re- I really didn't. I thought I was going to be a political science geek working in politics, but I realized very quickly I didn't want to spend my entire life in the swamp of D.C. And, and I say that metaphorically, but but literally D.C. was built on a swamp. If you've ever been to D.C. between the months of May and August, you do not want to go back between that time. And as soon as I got the opportunity to change careers from from politics into fitness, I jumped at it. Now, real quick before I wrap it up to give you another little uh, to give you another little plug. If you want to learn exercise programming, if you want to learn how to design your own exercise programs, check out my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. I've been educating personal trainers for more than 15 years. And in Smarter Workouts, I teach you what you need to know in order to design the exercise programs that can enhance your quality of life. My approach to fitness is fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. I'll say that again. Fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Being fit gives you choices for how you live your life. And that's what I try to do with with the podcasts I produce, with the books I write, I'm working on my second book now, Ageless Intensity, How High Intensity Exercise Slows Down the Aging Process. That'll be coming out in very early 2021. So I'm wrapping that up right now um, as I record this. Also, you can check out my eBooks that are available. I'm trying to help you learn how to enhance your life through fitness. That's all I'm trying to do.
Now back to this conversation. As you could tell, there was a there's an, another little sidetrack there. I didn't mention the introduction. Josie is a gay man, and and he had some challenges when he was first trying to make it as a music artist. Josie was trying to break into country music as, as a gay man, which I'm sure that can be challenging. And I've talked about maybe I've talked about this a little bit on on the show. Maybe I haven't. It doesn't really matter. But my dad is gay, so I've grown up around the gay community, and I know what LGBTQ plus. I, whatever. I don't mean, I not mean to exclude anybody when I say gay community. I mean everybody. And I hope you realize that. And I really wanted to, to, that's part of what I wanted the conversation to be about with Josie was about his experience and challenging. Because yes, music and the arts are very accepting of a lot of people. But my, my view is, my understanding that country music might not be. And especially for a young man who grew up in Kentucky and lived in Tennessee for a while, I wanted to ask him a little bit about his experiences going from performing to fitness. And I mean this, fitness, one of the things I love about fitness is fitness is one of the most accepting communities around there. Some of my mentors, one of my early mentors, the the guy who hired me, gave me my first opportunity in fitness, was a gay man. In fact, now that I think about it, he's the one who introduced me to my ex-wife. And, and anyway... Jack was a really influential guy in my life, and I really I, I appreciate and value that relationship. And I've had some really good mentors over the years who happen to be gay. For what I, and again, I don't care. I think that we've come along as a society, for most people in society, that it really doesn't matter. And when I hear somebody like Josie, when I, when I hear from a young man, a younger man like Josie, who's maybe still struggling with it, I really, it makes me realize how far we have to come. Some of us are really accepting. For some of us, it's no big deal. And I joke, I was with a friend of mine recently who's, who's married to a man. He's married his husband. And I was saying to him, and my dad's married to a man, right? And I was saying to him, I'm still just not, I have nothing against it, but I'm still not used to saying he and his husband. <laughs> I'm still learning how to build that in my vernacular or she and her wife. That still, there's no at all. I just, I think we have to, we learn how to adapt and adjust our language. That was part of the conversation I wanted to have with Josie today was about his experience and his journey and what that was like about from being a recording artist to working in fitness. Because there are a lot of similarities there. You're performing either way, whether you're teaching a class, whether you're working with a client or whether you're on stage with a guitar. It's about the performance. It's about the connection. It's about connecting with people and making them feel better. And that's the conversation I wanted to have today. And I also wanted, because I know breaking into country music might be different than breaking into fitness, especially being a gay man. And this was a phenomenal conversation. It might not be my type of music, but I'm definitely going to be downloading his album, giving it a try. I would suggest you do the same. There'll be information down below in the show notes. I have contact information, Josie's Instagram. You can follow him on IG and stay in touch with that. And if you want more information, you can go to my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com. As I mentioned in the beginning, you sign up for my mailing list. I will send you a copy of my uh, copy of my. If you sign up for my mailing list, I will send you a chapter from my book, Smarter Workouts, and I'll keep you up to date on all the different ways that you can use fitness to enhance your quality of life. So, as always, thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness. <music>